So I'm going to, you know, I really wrestled over what to do this morning because we've had a feast all weekend. But I felt like the Lord just kept dropping these nuggets in my spirit of, ha- of just pondering how the early church just walked out in authority and thousands got saved like that. And then when they got saved, they just kept going. They didn't sit down and wait for somebody to help them through all of their issues. Now, you know they had issues too, right? I mean, sometimes we mystify this thing or we make it romanticized and it's like, well, surely they didn't have all of the problems I've got. They lived under Roman rule, for goodness sakes. They were in a Jewish system that was so filled with religion, there was no way you could get over and get through all the laws. Because every time you got one done, they added another one. I mean, they had so many, you, you couldn't get through them all. And we can tend to be that way, but we're getting over ourselves, right? So they had their stuff too. Do you not think they had issues in their families? That they didn't have health issues? But they encountered the living God. They encountered salvation and they ran. They ran with the gospel. They ran in the authority of the name of Jesus. So I've just been pondering, God, what's the deal with us? Why is it do we think that people get born again and they... They're on this slow train. And if by some means they might somehow, somewhere down the road, get to do something. I mean, what's that about? And so I'm just going to take us on a little journey. Things we know. Out of the scriptures. And I want us to step in. Like we're the early church. And then I want you to remember that the early church was the church in infancy. And we should be more mature and further along than they were. But we're not going to get to here if we don't first recognize what it was at the beginning. So Matthew 28, 16 through 20. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And remember, he'd been crucified, he was buried, he was resurrected. He's walked with them by this point for about 40 days. But still some are doubtful. You know, doubt doesn't mess God up. He meets us where we are. He doesn't just say it's okay, but he meets us there. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go. Therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to what? Observe all things 
that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. How many of you grew up with that as an evangelistic message that was imprinted on you at the very core of your being? And we took it as go and make disciples of people. What does it say? Nations. See, I believe part of what the enemy has done to dumb us down is he, he told us you can't touch the nations. You can't touch the big picture. You can't touch the systems. If you work it hard enough, you might be able to bring a few people into the kingdom. Do you see how that dumbed us down? It took us out of the, of the real authority that God had given us through Christ. Because he came to change nations. He came because he loved the whole world. He came and gave his life to save the earth and all that is in it. From the tyranny of the devil that was supposed to be bound up, locked up, and not able to operate. Now we got this unpacked for us brilliantly with Isaac this weekend. But see, Adam gave that away by his sin. That's what he was after because Satan was on the earth and he didn't have any authority to do anything until Adam stumbled. And gave him the authority. So then Jesus comes and he goes, I'm taking it back. And I'm going to have a people, I'm going to have an ecclesia, you and me, us together. And they're going to enforce the will of my father against Satan on earth so that my kingdom domain is manifested on the earth. And earth looks more like heaven. That's pretty simple, right? Sounds simple, not we just haven't done it real well. Because we haven't believed we could. But if all authority has been given to Jesus, and he has called us, and he said, I've got all authority, now you go and do what I said. If he commissions you to go, is he commissioning you to go in your own power? You don't have any. Reality is, I mean, you may have a little bit of muscle and, and power in the natural, but is that any good against the devil? It doesn't work. We've tried. I mean, I look around the room. We've all tried, right? It doesn't work. You cannot resist the devil with flesh and blood. He will manifest through flesh and blood. Because the devil loves to get in, needle us, pick out our little weaknesses and our propensities to stumble and fall and sin and go into the flesh, the pride of life, right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. We want to, there's this thing on the inside of us and the devil goes, I know where to hook you. And the way he hooks you is not the way he hooks your neighbor. But once he gets in there, then he begins, Satan begins exerting his illegitimate authority 
upon you and through you. And what's happened is we as the ecclesia that have been commissioned to go and make disciples, we get intimidated by that thing. Instead of going, wait a minute, wait, hold. The name of Jesus says, no, you're not doing that to me. It's like, that's what rose up in me today about, little, about Noah. That's a spirit of death trying to take that young man. He's got a call of God on his life. So no, I'm not going to sit back and go, oh, poor Noah. No! We've got to shift the way we look at this. If we'll get this, it will deliver us out of our victim mentality. I was going to say that yesterday when I did the last session and it just didn't come out. But I want us to hear this. If we really get a hold of this, where you have felt like you've been victimized and every time something bad comes toward you, you just keep going, well, this is what always happens. Why is it always happening? Because you're letting it. At some point, you have to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Now, your body's going to get tired. Yesterday afternoon, I went, I propped my feet up, and I didn't do anything. I was physically tired. But I didn't stay that way. I was not going to allow that thing to take me out. I know how to let my body rest, and I'll do some more today. <laughs> Real deal. That's our physical body. But I am not letting that sick and tired thing take me out from fulfilling the purpose of God. I'm not going to let people's murmuring, complaining, griping, cursing, and anything else keep us out of being who God created us to be. When we rehearse the curses that are going on, whether it's personal, in our family, in our city, in our nation. Because there are curses against our nation right now. The enemy wants to destroy this nation. You get it? Yeah. Are we going to sit by and go, well, you know, the world's just going to get worse and worse. And, you know, this is what we're supposed to expect because, oh, the end's coming. The Antichrist is growing. No! Stop it. Yes, there are hidden terror cells in our nation. I'm about to be a terror to them. Come on. And I'm not talking me. We need to be a terror to them. Why, why don't we just go into this victim thing? Well, it's inevitable. Every time I hear that, I just... Mm -hmm. We have to learn how to take the authority and make it practical. We have to know on the inside of us who we are because of the blood of Jesus. It's not our authority. It's his authority. But he said, I'm giving it to you. In my name, you've got it. Now look at Mark 16, 14 through 20. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table and he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. 
because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. There is a measure in which I'm going to just say it this way. There's a measure in which I believe the Lord is rebuking and reproaching the church right now. Because we have had unbelief and hardness of heart. And see, the thing we have to understand about when God rebukes and reproaches us because of our disobedience, our unbelief, our fear, our hardness of heart, he does it so that we turn and go in another way. It's never with rejection. It's never with condemnation. It is always to draw us to himself. He chastens those whom he So as you even are feeling where the Lord, you feel like you're feeling that rebuke because maybe you've had a hardness of heart. You've had a a lack of faith and, oh God, how could this be? And you're in the middle of scenarios that look absolutely hopeless. I mean, we've all faced hopeless situations. But when you face hopeless situations, it's when you have to press in, not by works of your flesh to build something up, but just press in and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ so that those things that are rising up and arguing about what God has said, you're going, wait a minute, I hear that sound, but that sound isn't the sound of my father. We've got to learn how to differentiate between the sound of the enemy and the sound of our own voice. Don't blame everything on the devil. Because some of the arguments that you're going through are your own arguments. It's your own stuff. You can't cast out your flesh. Sometimes, boy, do I wish we could. (laughs) But you can't cast... Cast out flesh, you have to kill it. You have to put it under your feet. You have to crucify it. You have to say, no, I am not listening to that. I am not rehearsing that curse again. I am not going down that path again. I am going to follow the way of the Lord. I'm going to believe what he says and not what my flesh says. I'm not going to believe the lies of the devil. I'm not going to keep going on. Well, it's just this, you know, it's just the way life's hard. Don't be surprised if you say life is hard to me if I don't come after you. (laughs) And I know sometimes life can be hard. But there's a difference between saying life can be hard and life is hard. I'm dropping a plumb line. And it goes on and he says, and Jesus said to them in verse 15, go, there's that word again, into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And he who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Have you believed? Okay, that was very weak. I mean, seriously, have you believed? 
And we're about to get a baptismal pulpit right over there. So if you haven't been baptized, you can be. And if you need to be baptized again into a new season, you can be. Verse 17. These signs will accompany those who have believed. I want you to pay attention to these signs. Now, these have caused all kinds of people to think crazy things about us, but, you know, let's, let's break it down a little bit. In my name, they will cast out demons. We need to be a demon casting out people. That means we don't tolerate demons dancing around us. If they manifest, you're coming out. I've told this before, I was in a service one day and we're worshiping and let the glory fall in this place and the woman next to me began to manifest. I mean, for real. First, it was she was just weeping, you know, quietly and I thought, well, maybe the presence of God is just ministering to her. But then all of a sudden it went to wailing and I thought, mm, this doesn't feel right. And the next thing she's on the floor and the next thing she's slithering, literally, under the chair pastor from the front's looking at me like, what's going on? I said, I need help. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't afraid of the devil. It's just that she was strong. She was this Native American cowgirl from out west, and she tossed bales. <laughs> Literally, I'm not kidding. This is who she was. This is what she did. And so I'm thinking, I, mm. <laughs> I'm not wrestling with this that can toss a bale of hay. So a couple of guys, her husband was there. He picked up one in, and she planked. I mean, like straight as a board, stiff as a board. And we walked out and into the pastoral um, office area and spent the next couple of hours casting the demons out of her. I ran into her a few years later, and she said, my life was forever changed that day. See, when the devil that's tormented you all your life is cast out, you change. And sometimes we don't even know what's tormenting us. We don't know the devil that is, we're, because we're so accustomed. It becomes a familiar spirit, and we're just used to living with this thing, and we think it's just us. That is not you. And sometimes when you get really delivered, you're like, wait a minute, who am I? What do I do? How do I move now? Because all of this stuff that I thought was personality really wasn't personality. It was this devil over here trying to make me act certain ways. And you have to learn how to walk again. But boy, is it a great journey. Because then you walk free and you don't have to be all bound. And So we're supposed to be a devil casting out people. Come on. They will speak with new tongues. I'm going to shout this one in this region because one of the things Chuck Pierce said at the head of the year was you need to take a look at your region and see where Holy Spirit has been resisted. These two issues right here, Holy Spirit has been resisted in our region. Because you can get people arguing with you all day long that Christians can't have a devil. Can I say this to you? You can have anything you want to have. If you want to have a demon, you can have a demon. If you're not willing to deal with your junk that causes the demons to have garbage to eat on in you, then you're going to have a devil. 
I know it's needling with you today. Yay. I like poking the devil. But in this region, people in the church, pastors in this region will say to you, Christians can't have a demon because of the cross. The cross paid for it. You've got to implement it into your life. You've got to appropriate the finished work of the cross. Just because it's given, it's like a gift that's under the Christmas tree that you never opened. It's time to open the gift of deliverance and wear it. But the second area is the issue of tongues. This region is rampant with people who teach and will fight against the baptism of Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. They will say, in fact, there was this great big conference out in California in this last month, people paid $600 a head to go to to tell them uh, why cessationism and no more speaking in tongues, no more prophecy, no more prophets, no more apostles, no more signs, wonders, and miracles is the right gospel. Now, is that not insanity? But that is an opposition to Holy Spirit. So as we're looking in our region and we're saying, where has Holy Spirit been resisted? It's been all over the place. Some of the largest churches in this region resist Holy Spirit by saying he doesn't work that way anymore. Most of us were told, taught that that Holy Spirit was past. The works of Holy Spirit was gone. I was. In fact, I was told people that were baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues were full of the devil. That message was full of the devil. <laughs> I mean, the devil was calling the devil a devil. <laughs> Praise God for deliverance. But we need to be a people because here's the deal. Our, our praying in tongues, our prayer language releases mysteries. It is the heavenly language to war in the spirit what we can't comprehend with our mind. It is the heavenly language that empowers angels. Come on. When you don't know what to pray, what does Romans 8 say? When you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays through you. Right? Activate the power of the name of Jesus through you in praying in the Holy Spirit beyond what you know. Because right now, I'm just going to tell you. There's so much stuff going on right now. We do not know what to pray. We don't know how to pray. So walk around your house. Just go for it. This is who we're supposed to be. They pick up serpents. Now this one, you know, if you take this one literally. But what is a serpent? Come on. It's a demon. It's a deceiving spirit. Pick them up and go, no, not here, not now. No, we're not going to have baskets of snakes up front. (laughs) 
But a slithering demon comes in like that girl that we cast the demon out of and slithers around on the floor. I'm taking that thing and I'm slinging it out of here. Take up the serpents. We're supposed to tread on serpents and scorpions and every other thing. They're not supposed to have authority over us. We have authority over them in the name of Jesus. Drink any deadly poison. It will not hurt them. You know what? Sometimes you get into situations where you have to eat things and drink things that you would prefer not to. And it might not be good for you. It might not be the healthiest thing for you. But in the name of Jesus, you can eat it. We were in Ireland on our tour And I had ordered the last meal, the last night we went out to dinner, I'd ordered a halibut dish. Well, they didn't disclose that that halibut dish had a sauce on it that had shrimp in it. Well, I can no do shrimp. (laughs) Can have a pretty bad reaction. And I dug in because I didn't see the shrimp. And I I went, oh, not good. (laughs) But I just said, in the name of Jesus, this isn't touching me. Now, I didn't continue to eat the rest of it because that would be stupid presumption. (laughs) I just called the waitress over and said, I'm really not supposed to have this. I, oh, no, and changed it out real quick into something I could have. But see, I tapped into this that in the name of Jesus, that that shrimp was not going to harm me. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in the things that we, that we know can be harmful that we get bound instead of having freedom to say, you know what, yeah, I did this in my body and it wasn't good for me. And yeah, there are natural ramifications. But I just decree right now that thing isn't having authority over me anymore. See, the thing, I had a doctor tell me one time when I had to have a surgery, this is going to cause you to age, and it's going to cause you to this, and it's going to cause you to this. And, and I just want to went, no, it's not. <laughs> and I didn't even know then what I know now. And I decree over my body, it is not having the effect that the doctor said that that was going to have on me. And I'm telling you, it doesn't. And when it starts rising up trying to, I'm like, "Uh uh-uh. No, in the name of Jesus. We've got to learn how to make this practical. It will not hurt you. And then I love this. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is our portion. This is not supposed to be... How do I want to say this? This is not supposed to be the elite. This is supposed to be the you, me, and everybody that believes in the name of Jesus. It's not a select few. It's all of us. All of us. Say me. In the name of Jesus. Can do all of this. I want you to say that with more conviction. I, in the name of Jesus, 
can do all of this and see signs, wonders, and miracles follow me everywhere I go. What a difference. So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. What is it that he sat down? He sat down in his seat of authority. He sat down upon his throne. He sat down in the throne that is above every throne. He sat down in the seat that is above every other seat. He sat down in a place of restored authority. And in that moment, he not only had the authority of heaven, he had the authority of earth. And he was crowned king of kings and lord of lords. The coronation service when he sat down upon his throne. And then you remember where are we seated? With him. And that we are hidden in God with Christ. And you get that? And in verse 20, they went out and preached everywhere where while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. Did you get this? He's seated in heavenly places. They went and preached. They went and obeyed and he worked with them. It's a co-laboring. It's a partnership. He's like, I need you. Now, could God just come and walk among the earth and do what he needs done? He could. But he has chosen, he has set in motion, he has ordained that he isn't doing that. He is doing it through you and me. Now he's going into places that people can't go right now. He's going into dreams. Did you read about the Muslim family that every member of the family had exactly the same dream and they all came to Yeshua? Every member of the family had the same dream. Only a supernatural God can do that. But I can guarantee you he did it because somewhere somebody's praying God send him a dream. Because he moves in response to our prayers. And here's the deal. He moves in response to the prayers that he puts in us that we then pray. We initiate nothing of our own. But when he stirs a prayer in you, and here's the deal. We may not even know when we prayed it. We may have been praying it in tongues, praying above our understanding, and praying for a key Muslim family to all have the same dream. Do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. And see, we go from here and we go into Acts 1 and the birthing of the church. Verse 4 of chapter 1, it says, Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Wait was not passive. Wait was active. There's an active waiting, an active pursuing, an active God. This is what you promised. See, I believe right now we're in a divine waiting moment. That doesn't mean we sit back. Okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be. No, we're in a 
pursuit. I'm waiting for what you promised, God. I'm waiting. God has said there is an outpouring of Holy Spirit. There's a a tsunami of Holy Spirit movement hitting the earth today that the world has never seen before. Friday, the Lord said to me, I am loosing a groundswell. And I said, Lord, groundswell. He goes, yeah, groundswell of the movement of my spirit through my people that will break through every wall of resistance and will bring breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. And you can feel it. There's a groundswell. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it time? Is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Now, folks, we need to hear this. Because I think there's many in America that are saying, God, is this the time you're restoring America? Is this the time... Of the rapture? Is this the time of filling your blank? We're asking a lot of, is this the time? And when I read this earlier today, I heard, I said, the Lord said, this verse right here, verse 7 is important for you today. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. See, sometimes we get focused on the natural manifestation of everything being the way we want it to be. Rather than focusing on, as Isaac said, the why. The why. Why are we here? Why have we been endued with power? Why are we to go out and preach the gospel? Why are we to war against principalities and powers and rulers and high places? Because we're to execute the will of the Father into the earth and bind up the devil so that he can't keep wreaking havoc on us. It's not for us to determine what the end result looks like. We're just to be about doing the Father's business. That's what Jesus did. He said, I have meat to eat that you know not of to do the will of my Father. It's not for us to know all the little details. What he reveals, the secret things that he gives to us, they belong to us. When he speaks something, reveals it to you, it is yours. Hold on to it. Don't don't shrink back from it. But what you don't know, don't presume. The Lord told me on some of the election things and even over Speaker of House, he said, don't you put your name, don't you put your mouth on any name. You pray that my person will be in that can hear my voice and move with me. Because, folks, we can get so politicized so fast and miss what God's doing in the middle of it. Our job is to bind the devil so that what God has ordained will happen. See, we've been participating in some of the secondary stuff instead of going for the primary. Don't get off course. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, in your hometown, 
in all Judea, the rest of the community, Samaria, the nation, and the remotest parts of the earth, into the ends of the earth. See, yeah, it is about Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, because that's where they were. But it, for us, it's about Peachtree Corners. It's about Atlanta. It's about Georgia. It's about the United States of America, and it's about the nations of the world. It is the ever-expanding, outgoing of the preach the gospel of the kingdom. Keep going in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Other translations, I love the way they say it, in one place, in one accord. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire, distributing themselves and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled, say all filled, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterances. And there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd gathered together. And were bewildered. Because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished. Folks, when we get to the place where we come together in one place in one accord. Without regard to division like I talked about last week. And a fresh baptism of Holy Spirit comes upon all of us. So that the manifestation of the presence and the power of God through us is so beyond normal church religion that the people around us begin to look. What's going on? What's happening? Bewildered, amazed, mystified, curious, hearts opened. See, I think part of the problem with the world not paying attention to the church and not paying attention to the message we carry is that we have become so status quo, mediocre, boring. With no life. Nothing that causes bewilderment and amazement. Nothing that causes people to go, what is that? See, in the name of Jesus, what was then should be even greater now. When we got in here today... They started coming into my office and bringing me pictures of a sign in the sky. Of clouds that look like angels. Of a rainbow over the building. It wasn't raining. It was a rainbow. Why not? 
why did I hear your, your, your brains go, eek, when I said that? Because we're not accustomed to looking or expecting the supernatural. I have prayed for years that over the church in the city, not just this one, I'm saying the church in the city, there would be such an incredible move of Holy Spirit with the winds blowing and the glory falling and the angels' activities going on that people driving down the streets would just drive in and encounter the living God, encounter the love of God, encounter the presence of God, and suddenly be saved. Why not? Why not? Why then and not now? I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want boring. I don't want religion and religious activity that's always accepted and, I mean, and, and anticipated just the way it'll be. I mean, I'll tell you, God is stretching the ever-loving daylights out of me. I mean, I like having my notes. I have scripture. <laughs> That's great. But, but do you understand? He's like, don't depend on what you can do. Depend on what I can do through you. Expect Holy Spirit to give you what you didn't have when you walked in the room. Expect that if the sound system goes crazy, you keep worshiping anyway. I mean, if we had to do it without anything, we could still worship. We're not bound to instruments and microphones. Just a little more. Verse 21 of Acts 2, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's time for the everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. It's time for the people of God to go forth and preach the gospel of the kingdom with the anointing of Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus that causes hearts to be opened. In Metro Atlanta, in the last six weeks, 20, nearly 2,500, and probably after this week, more than that, have come to the Lord at fairs across our city. It's amazing. With a small group of people going out and just witnessing. In the greater Jackson, Mississippi area, they've been holding a crusade. 300 churches coming together in one accord. 300 in the deep south, in the Bible Belt. Baptists, Methodists, Episcopals, Presbyterians, Charismatics, uh, Apostolic, Prophetic people, you name it, they're all there together. And as of the report I heard on Friday, 2,400 people had come to the Lord. They didn't have enough trained evangelistic counselors for the altar to do the work. So they just started pulling. Do you know Jesus? You're born again right here. Come pray for this person. 
Come on. Step in. Why not? For verse 34, for it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The way his enemies are going to be a footstool for his feet is as we occupy and do what he's called us to do. We're his body. We are the feet in the earth. He's seated in heavenly places. He filled us with Holy Spirit. Our feet are on the earth as an expression of his feet, his body. And we are to be putting the enemy under our feet. So that what God has decreed in heaven, that the devil is bound, he's unable to operate. We are executing and implementing it here and now. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. And if you don't do it over your own life, then somebody else is going to have to do it for you. And then that's taking them off of something else that they ought to be doing. (laughs) Come on. Get some help if you need it. We all do at times. But get the help so then you can go out and help others. And break out of that victim mentality mess. Verse 36, it goes on. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified in that sentence pierced their hearts. And they said, what do we need to do? And he said, repent and be saved. The power of the name of Jesus. To bring people into salvation. To bring salvation and discipleship to nations. To cause the enemy to be bound and forbidden from operating. If we'll get this, the warfare can be going all around you and you're going to walk through it. Because you're armored, right? I mean, if you're armored, why is the devil messing with you so much? Why are you letting it get to you? Why are you going into the mully grubs and the crying and the fits and the... I mean, we've all done it. I'm not pointing the finger because been there, done that. But I know by the revelation of the word of God, that's not where we're to live. And God's giving us an invitation And saying, come in to my name. Come in. Let me show you who you really are. Let me show you who I really am in you. Let me show you the power of my name when it comes out of your mouth. John 14, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. That's you, folks. That's me. That's us. And he doesn't just stop there with the works that he did, will do. He says, and greater works than these he will do. Greater. Come on, say greater. Greater. 
We are to do greater works because I go to my Father. Because Jesus went to the Father, he was one man doing the mighty signs, wonders, and miracles on the earth, right? He goes to the Father, and he now, because we believe in the name of Jesus, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have the name of Jesus, we go out in mass. And if we go out in mass knowing that we have the power and the authority of the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, then greater, greater works. No longer bound to, well, maybe a little dabble, do you know? You got the whole thing, baby. (laughs) Whatever you ask... In my name. That will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask. What's the word? Anything in my name. I will do it. See I believe part of the key to this ask anything. And he'll do it. Is that what we want to ask. We're so submitted to him. That we ask what he wants. We're not asking just because we want it. But our heart's desire. Our yearnings. Our our passion has been so shifted to his. That what agrees with the name of Jesus. What agrees With who he is, what his character is, what his nature is, what his authority is. When we do that, not asking out of selfishness, not asking out of our flesh, not asking out of just our fleshly desires, but asking what he wants. Asking what is in his character, his nature, and according to his authority, if we come into an agreement there... He's going to do it. I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. We ask in the name of Jesus for Noah's life. We ask in the name of Jesus for our sons and daughters to worship and serve the Lord. We ask in the name of Jesus... For families to be restored. We ask in the name of Jesus. For the harvest to come in. But I ask in the name of Jesus. That while the harvest is white. That the harvesters. Will be raised up and sent out into the harvest. We ask in the name of Jesus. For every enemy assignment. That is plotted against the purposes of God. To be brought to nothing. To be exposed, to be extracted, to be eliminated. That every terroristic cell, every assignment of hell, every drug plot initiative in this city, every sex trafficking assignment and operation, that they are all being brought to nothing. They're being judged. They're being cursed at the root. And they are being brought down to nothing in the name of Jesus. 
I say that the spirit of poverty and mammon in the name of Jesus is being brought down to nothing and we are unlocking prosperity even as our soul prospers so that the gospel of the kingdom may be advanced throughout all the earth. That's the heart of the Father. And we decree in the name of Jesus that America shall be saved and fulfill her God-given destiny as a sending nation to send the gospel of the kingdom not only to this land but to the nations of the world that the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the glory of his name may be seen throughout all the earth in the mighty name of Jesus. Stand with me. Father, I commission your people right now in the name of Jesus to go forward in the full assurance of the name of Jesus. The name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus, the healing, the provision, the wisdom, the revelation, the knowledge, the might, the counsel, the fear of the Lord. Everything that we need is in the name of Jesus. So, Father, I commission your people to go this week and to grow from glory to glory as they behold you and move in the authority that you have given us, not in and of ourselves but delegated because of Jesus. We worship you, God. We give you praise and glory and honor. We say, let your kingdom come in us that your kingdom might come through us. We pray for this community, God, that the strongholds of darkness that keep people bound in sin and trespasses and religion and hopelessness God that by the name of Jesus that the strongholds that have operated over this region are coming down that they're being brought down so that captives can be set free the blind will see the lame will walk the deaf will hear the lame will leap and the mute will sing praises to our God Lord, we ask all of this not for our glory, but for yours. And we know, Father, that as we become more and more of who you created us to be, to walk out what you called us to walk out as sons and daughters of the Most High God, in the name of Jesus, that as we do what you've called us to do, Glory will be given to you. Not to us, but to you. And it is to you and you alone that we worship. We give you praise. And we thank you, Father, for all that you have done, all that you are doing, and all that you will yet do. And we promise, Father, that in everything, We will praise and magnify you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Have a wonderful week, and we will see you on Friday night or Wednesday at noon. Friday night, um, be here before 7. I think I announced it as 7.30, but let's be ready to start. I do 7.30 sometimes because of traffic, but reality is I'm telling you folks 7 because I love you. I'll see you then.